Sporting Classics is brought to you by Winchester, the American legend. Winchester Repeating Arms. Walther, it's your duty to be ready. Silencer Central. Silence Deliver. Boomerex Air Guns, the year of the air gun hunter. Right on, see the difference. And by Negrini Cases. Ultralight, ultra strong, the pinnacle of Italian design and technology. Okay, welcome to another edition of Sporting Classics Television Podcast. And I'm super excited because we've got Brandon Maddox here. If you don't know that name, you're going to know that name because he's revolutionizing really suppressors and silencers across the country because he's he's built a new model that's removed the, the struggle of trying to get one of these devices that we all would love to have and have dreamed of having, but it's been such a convoluted process for so long, but not for Brandon, who spent a lot of time doing a lot of research, really becoming expert on the entire category legally in all the states around the country, working with ATF, and, and really, Brandon, it's amazing what you've done, and welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having us, excited to be here. So let's get into right away the, the, the process of what it used to be like to buy a suppressor until you changed all that and, and simplified that for people. Yeah, good question. So. Um, Typically, the process was you would go to your you know, local gun dealer, um, and typically there was no one there that could help you. Like, it's typically one person is the mm -hmm. point of contact for silencers. And it seems like when I first bought mine, that was the, whenever I went was the day he was off, or you know, he was at the other store, or vacation, or so. <laughs> right. Typically, just to keep that continuity of communication, they'll have one person. So you'd go in there and try to find that person. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, my experience was they try to talk me out of it because there's so much paperwork and so much back and forth, and you know people get a little nervous when it takes a while to get something. So there's a lot of communication from the mm -hmm. customer, and um, then then once you picked one out, like picked the suppressor out, the, you had to pay for it, and then they would order it. So it's like they didn't even have it on the shelf. It's basically I was fronting all the money up front. Um, then they would go order it, and then they would call me when they came in, and then I would come in and you know, they put the serial number on the paperwork. They would handwrite you know stuff on the paperwork. And, and how long was that process? Well, gosh, just the whole back and forth. I think it took three months before I got my first one in inventory at the gun shop. And then I went in and it's probably an hour filling out the paperwork because you have to mm -hmm. fill it out in duplicate. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, I had to go to the sheriff's office, meet with the sheriff, kind of convince him I'm a good guy and I had to get a signature. And, you know, that, that sort of process. And then they would submit it, um, the local gun shop, and then you would just wait. And you, they, they, they would not proactively communicate with us. You had to, you no. know, call them, what's up, how's it going? And then, um, gosh, you know, a lot of times you hear stories of guys say it's just not the mainstream business. So might have been approved and sitting there for months. The dealer just forgot to call or whoever was in charge of calling didn't follow up. But um, it typically it's kind of radio silence for a year. Silencer would come back approved. You'd go into the local dealer and then you'd fill out the same 4473 you'd do to buy a firearm. Um, and then you'd have it. So it's just a lot of back and forth. It typically, like the whole process, probably six trips to the gun store, like to get the initial purchase, come back, do the first phase of the paperwork, come back, do the second phase, maybe stepping in every few months just to say, hey, is it ready? Have you heard anything? Um, sort of my insight was um, being in the healthcare field, being a pharmacist, was that um, the local gun store, nothing, nothing against them, it just doesn't fit their business model. They're more of a treat them and street them, almost like a dock in the box, almost like a, mm. you come in, you get an antibiotic, you're out. You come in, you get a background check, you leave with your firearm. So it's a single point of contact where um, 
you know, I sort of give the analogy of we're at OBGYN. And so, you know, we're helping them set up the trust, we're communicating with them, and we have a perfect system for that back and forth, which a regular gun store is just... Sounds a little bit more like proctology to me, but anyway, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just amazing to me how unbelievably difficult they've made this. When you think right. about it, it's like much, much easier, obviously, to buy a firearm than it totally. is to buy a suppressor. Oh, totally, 100%. And it's, it's, not a, it's not a weapon. Yeah, no, totally. Because the statutes are written in the 30s, so I mean, it requires fingerprints, and that's how they did background checks then. They didn't have a, you know, any way of digitally run a background check and have a social security number and see if you're a felon. So yeah. it was based on if you've been arrested, you've been fingerprinted, and those were on file with the FBI, and that's how the background check was done. So the, the basically the statutes haven't changed, so you're still following the yeah. same statutes from the 30s. Wow, crazy. So you came in and said, look, there's got to be a better way. Totally. Let me investigate this. And, and you're a guy that doesn't take no for an answer. Yeah. And, and it's amazing what you've been able to achieve because who takes on ATF and challenges these kinds of questions, builds a new model? I mean, it's really extraordinary. So let's go through what is the process now under you? Good question. So, um, you know, we've worked a lot. You know, we've been doing it since 2005. So for the last 17, almost 18 years, um, you know, we started out initially just working gun shows, which was great for us to do events because you could talk to the customer face to face. And our, our insight initially and throughout and even today is that the biggest issue for the customer, the obstacle is the process. Mm -hmm. So that's when we said, hey, how do we double down and make the process easier? Because human nature is um, I'm more open to opening my wallet if you make the process easier for me. So um, when I first started doing it, honestly, it was just because I kept buying the wrong one, honestly. The first one I bought was strictly a you know, $300, $350 purchase just to see if it worked. Because I, I couldn't find anything online that told me if they worked. I couldn't find anyone in the gun store had anyone that hunted with them. Um, my objective was strictly like prairie dog hunting, making it quieter. I hated driving five hours west, shoot, they all go under, and then I'm, you know, I got a hotel in the middle of nowhere and bad food. So um, the first time I bought, super cheap. Loved it. I mean, I always tell the story. I ran out of ammo. Like, you know, you always pack more ammo than you think you'll ever use. And then the first time I used a suppressor, I was like, I'm out of ammo. This is the best. I mean, this is great. I ran out. They're still up. You know, it's one of those love-hate things. But the first suppressor I bought was way too heavy. I just, you know, it was cheap. It was stainless steel. Didn't, didn't come apart to clean. So the second one I bought, I wanted it to be a lot lighter. Because even though I was shooting from a bench, that extra weight's a real pain. Um, even if you're not carrying a rifle, you don't realize, you know, you put it on a sling and it's doing it, slinging mm -hmm. back on you. Um, so the second one I bought was shorter and uh, it's too loud. So now I'm on to like my third suppressor and it's just, the process was horrible. I mean, you know, local gun store just made it difficult. But, you know, back to your question on how we've done it is, working with ATF, we've created a lot of the process digitally. So someone could pick up the phone, call our staff. We have 30 people that are sitting there waiting that are our sales guys. They're all hunters, shooters, hunt, you know, tactical guys. We have a wide range of gun nuts. And essentially they'll help you pick out what you want. I mean, one thing I think that people find difficult to realize is that a lot of, there's a lot of multi-caliber options where you could buy one and cover every centerfire rifle you own or buy one and cover every handgun or pistol you have. So there's a lot to be like educated by someone that that's all they do. And then what we do is just kind of interviewing them on the phone, get the paperwork ready for them, and we can submit the paperwork to them digitally. And then they'll have to fill out their information, and then they sign it. Um, and then the next step is basically we send them a set of blank fingerprint cards. We send them an ink. They do their own fingerprints at home. Amazing. They mail it to us. We, we uh, basically scan them in. They have to take a picture of themselves, a two-by-two, two, so it's kind of a selfie behind a white wall. Um, we got a guy at the office, that's all he does actually is clean up. You know, if you have a picture that's not a white background <laughs> or if you're wearing, you know, if you got something that's not right, right. he can fix right. it digitally. So 
Um, basically, from, from the customer, we just have to have digital signature. We have to have a photo they upload to us, or some people mail them a hard copy. And then we send you a prepaid envelope to send your fingerprint cards back to us, and we upload. So we use 100% digital process with the ATF now for submission of the Form 4 paperwork. So we upload all your paperwork. We upload your photo. We upload your fingerprints. We give you a free gun trust. We upload everything. Hit submit. And right now, we're seeing about 90 days that the customers come back approved. And the cool thing is, um, you know, we'll send you a text, hey, it's approved. Mm -hmm. You know, the ATF also sends you an email when it's approved the customer, but we get one. And then we also text you, hey, it's approved. We are able to send you the 4473 digitally. You do a DocuSign, it comes back to us. We mail the suppressor to your front door. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. I mean, what a, what a transformation. So your company has grown exponentially, basically yes. doubled every year since when? Really since 2005. I mean, the only year that we had a down year was um, you know, Trump, I think a lot of people thought with the Hearing Protection Act, he was going to deregulate them. The wait time had gotten really long because Obama just left office. He had changed some things in the regs mm -hmm. that people were trying to get in before that. So it made the length of time people had to wait 18, 20 months. And that sort of turned some people sour. And then this thought of Trump deregulating them, making them easier to get, getting rid of the tax stamp. Just they, everyone was under the assumption that it was going to be a, a smoother process. It never happened. But 2017 is the only year where we had you know, kind of stable. It just didn't really take off as much as it had in the past. So how many are in circulation now, suppressors in the country? Yeah, good question. So there's about three million. And the reason we know that is the ATF actually puts out sort of a FOIA uh, information, sort of aggregated data of all the suppressors that are made since 1934 when the, you know, they started getting regulated. Mm -hmm. But it's, it, last year it ended at like 2.66 million. So we know it's probably closer to three, three plus million out there now. So there's estimated 450 million guns in circulation in the United States, roughly 120 million gun owners. So it seems to me you're in the infancy of this industry. This is a, an absolute booming potential market. Yeah, absolutely. Because what most people say too is that, you know, there may be 3 million suppressors out there, but there's sort of like once someone gets one, like me, you got to get another yeah. one. And so there's probably 1 million owners out there that own the 3 million that are out there. Yeah. So there's a ton of upside. And again, we always go back to the biggest obstacle is the process. Because yeah. everyone wants to get rid of recoil and make their gun quieter. I mean, that's the two negatives of shooting, target shooting or hunting. Mm -hmm. And to be able to sort of mitigate that is a, is a huge is a huge thing. It's just the process scares people. And I even think that like sometimes, um, you know, a guy buys one and then he almost pumps it up a little bit to his buddies. Oh man, had to, had to go do this. Hey, you know, they make it sound really tough and hard and it may even hurt it. But what I've seen too though is once people shoot with them and their friends experience it, they're 100% on. I had a story like a guy came up to me at a swim meet, my daughter swims, and he's like, you remember me? And I go, yeah, you're actually the first guy that bought one through a trust for me. I was like, what was that, like 10, 15 years ago? And he goes, yeah. And he said, when I bought one, all my buddies that I hunt coyotes with all said, too expensive, too much trouble, I would never go through the process. He goes, fast forward like 12, 13 years, every one of them own one now. Yeah, Just I mean, they've it, seen him use it. It's amazing how they go from consumer to brand ambassador in one shot. Oh yeah, yeah, yes, you know, totally. it's just absolutely totally. incredible. And I'm one of those guys. I mean, having not used them, in full disclosure, we're in Namibia right now, recording. We're hunting. It's a job. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. <laughs> and uh, but the first time I saw you shoot that, and and watch the the gems buck. You shot a beautiful gems buck. Made a great shot on it. And this thing just like it went to sleep. It was like a bow shot. There was no sound. Animals all around it didn't react. You don't have to wear hearing protection. Yeah. And it just transformed the experience. I, I'm sitting there going, this is, where have you been all my life? I, I'd still have hearing in my right ear yeah. if I had your device. So it's, it's really extraordinary how much it does impact the experience itself. 
Yeah, no, and it's, um, you know, and I think it shocks people the first time they do it. I've had customers call me back when we were really small and, you know, I was the only employee. Guys would call me and they're like, Brandon, I just shot a deer and it fell over and the other deer are still eating, like right next to it. Like, can you believe this? And I'm like, do you remember me telling you that when you bought it? They're like, yeah, but I don't believe you. I figured you're just selling, but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a game changer. Um, because everyone can think of stories where they forgot to put in earplugs. And I always say hunting social, you're always typically with someone, relatives, friends, and they have to put earplugs in and take them out and not be able to communicate back and forth and talk. It's a real negative. But, um, and I think, yeah, some people only focus on the benefits of hearing, but it's also the recoil. Recoil, you, right. Typically, you can shoot a larger round, and typically it's able to get other people into the industry maybe mm -hmm. that were kind of scared off when they see that big yeah. blast and the, the recoil. But it really is the case. I mean, once you experience it, you really don't ever want to go back to totally. the big boom anymore. There's totally. just no point to it. So, yeah. Well, I see you and your, your team at trade shows, consumer shows yes. all over the country. Yes. And uh, what always impresses me is there's always a long line. Yes. There's clearly a big demand. Yes. But it's also the information that you guys are gathering from all these consumers. Yeah. So, uh, you know, talk about the value of just immersing yourself Number one, you're a, you're a consumer of the product, yep. and you're using that product, so it's not like it's a, a concept to you. It's it's a real practice thing for you. But but just all the feedback you get from hunters at, at Safari Club and other places, and uh, how that's improved your company, created yeah. you know the better model, improved you know the 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 banish line itself, whatever that is. I, I just yeah. find it very in interesting that you're so immersed in the category. Yeah, you know, and I think that helps so much to be in front of all these customers because you get real-time feedback. I mean, when I work the gun shows, like in South Dakota, the guy you see at the gun show this Sunday, typically you see him next Sunday and then the next Sunday because they travel to all the shows. It's just kind of their hobby thing. Um, what You know, one interesting thing I remember, I was in Pierce, South Dakota, and I was working a show, and they're always in the winter because it's an agricultural-based community, South Dakota. So they do in the winter when the farmers aren't as busy. And um, I remember going back to my room after the show on that Saturday, and I'm like, you know, I'm trying to sell them a product that I could tell they're interested in, but it just wasn't, like, connecting. And what I realized was most, really everything when I first started in the early 2000s, everything was focused on tactical. It's sort of, mm -hmm. and that, there's nothing the matter with tactical, but 100% of the customers in South Dakota would look at a tactical. They looked at that as, okay, that's ex-military. That's sort of the weekend warrior guy. That, that's not me. I'm a hunter. And it, it's sort of like they love the concept of quiet and the benefits mm -hmm. it would have for them for hunting. But you could just tell they pick it up and it's stainless steel. And most of them, they's like, well, you know, your flash hider comes off, you put it on your AR. It just felt more like military-ish. So I remember calling a manufacturer and said, hey, you know, I, you guys make a great titanium product. I want you to put my name on it. I think I can really sell them at shows. People want something light that hunt. They don't want to put a lot of extra weight on the end of their barrel. And also the other insight I found is probably 40 to 50% of guys want to be able to take that can apart. I mean, like a big can, like a 30 cal. They want to take it apart and see what's inside. They want to clean it. They want to get the carbon out. They're cleaning their gun, so it feels weird not to clean the silencer. Um, so kind of gaining that feedback from the customer that, hey, we want to have a lightweight. But they also want it really quiet because the other thing I found about the tactical cans is typically they were focused on hearing safe. That was their whole goal was hearing safe. Whereas the hunter wants it as quiet as possible because they don't want to disturb the other game. They don't want to have to worry about sort of polluting the area with noise pollution in case they do miss or in case they want to shoot other animals there in the area. So 
Um, I think the big things I learned was they wanted lightweight, so we went with titanium. We knew it was unusual. Really, no one was doing that, all titanium. Mm -hmm. uh, we went with take apart and clean. People are like, why would you do that? It could, you know, the, people are not smart. They're going to put together wrong. Or it's like, no, they want that. How do we create a model that, you know, mm -hmm. satisfies the market? So from a hunting perspective, us, our roots in the Dakotas, titanium lightweight, coming apart to clean was the way to go just from a product. Super quiet. Like anytime I would go to R&D or manufacturers, I'd say, hey, I've tested everything out there. This is the quietest one, here's your benchmark. Make it as quiet as this or quieter, because that's what the hunter wants. And that's been in my experience here in um, South Africa, because if you notice, you know, they brag about how you can buy cans, you know, right over the counter, right at the hardware store, and they're really big. I mean, they're probably uh, 1.7, um, you know, they're, they're closer to a two inch diameter, and they're significantly louder. You know, if you ever, because even the, con the guys mm -hmm. on the, you know, the guides are like, wow, how's yours so quiet when it's that, you know, it's only an inch and a half diameter. But um, it's important to a hunter. They want it quiet. So that's the only thing I would always say is demand quiet. Um, and most of that was because we started out a lot of varmint hunting. Like I shot prairie dogs, and they're going to quit coming up if they hear noise. It's big for coyotes. You know, I always tell guys, if you call in three coyotes, how many of those do you want to shoot? They always say four. <laughs> you know, it's always. But, you know, the other things that we learned at the shows was really the paperwork. You know, it's, it's how do we hold the customer's hand. Like, you know, we started barrel threading. You know, we're threading 150, 200 barrels a day, bringing rifles in from all over the country because people didn't, they didn't necessarily trust or feel like that their local gunsmith had enough expertise or experience to thread their barrel for a suppressor. Yeah, that's huge. It, it, you know, my learning too was 99.9999% of our warranty claims were bad threadings. So that's when, you know, the warranty guys are like, you know what, let's just thread barrels because we're not going to get any warranty claims. And that totally helped. I mean, it just pretty much went away. So we learned that people wanted help barrel threading. We learned gun trust. Gun trusts are a big thing. You know, laws have changed over the years. People say they're not as beneficial. You know, I disagree. I find most local dealers don't know how to handle the trust issue. So they recommend and encourage their um, clients to buy without a trust. ATF tells me 50-50, 50% come through with, with a trust, 50% come without. We do 100% people trust. Just because the first three I bought were in my name and being in my name forever is very finite. Like I couldn't share it with you. I couldn't mm. hand it down to my kids. There's so many negatives to it being just in your name. So, you know, we sort of knocked it out of the park. We hired a trust attorney. We got trust made for each state. We worked on making sure that we were meet all the qualifications the ATF wanted for how that's set up per state. Um, you know, the other thing we learned is people people can't always afford like a suppressor 100% up front. Because as I mentioned earlier, the model that is kind of the, the gold standard is you pay for it up front, we order it, and then we'll do the paperwork. Um, and what we found at events was, um, Guys are like, man, my wife's gonna kill me if I spend, you know, this kind of money at once. And, you know, I used to always kid with them, we're not gonna tell your wife. But then I was like, hey, why don't we just put something down? Why don't you put a hundred bucks down? Why don't you put two hundred bucks down? And, you know, if you're, if you call our sales guys, they work with you. It's like, if you want to make five payments, ten payments, whatever it is, we're gonna work with you because we're convinced once you try one, you're gonna be sold. You're gonna want more. So that's one thing that we just learned at shows. People want that, be able to pay while you wait. No interest has been beneficial. Um, and then the other thing of mailing it to people's front doors, um, the funny story is, you know, I worked shows all over the state of South Dakota, western part of the state is less populous, you know, people think about Rushmore, but really there's not as big of a population out there. So it's really, back when I used to work the shows, there was only one show out there in Rapid City and it was in April, horrible time for ranchers. Anyway, it was, it was a time that we would sell enough suppressors, but Back then, the only way that I knew to get them to the customer was to drive to Sioux Falls, South Dakota, which is like a five, five and a half hour drive. 
Now what I learned not being from South Dakota is that people West River do not like to come East River. It's just like, it's sort of like, nope, I'm not driving East River. So we were losing all these sales because guys are like, well, when it's approved, how am I gonna get it? And we're like, well, you can wait till next year. We're here in April and we can do a transfer then or you can drive to Sioux Falls and it just killed sales. So I found a lawyer who, a uh, family friend, and I said, read the federal regs. I gotta find a way to mail these to a customer because that's the only way it would work. And he looked at me like, you're an idiot. There's no way to mail a firearm. And he came back and he goes, I found it. There is a way to mail suppressors, <laughs> mail firearms, um, when there's no background check required to um, an individual. So then I worked with the ATF. I asked them, you know, oddly enough, the forms that you used to create this um, transaction weren't in print anymore. So I went to the ATF and said, hey, uh, either let's print the form that this uh, statute calls out or let's work with the current 4473 form and tell me how to modify that process to use this. So that's when I really first starting to get to know the ATF because I think I shocked them with that question. They had never had anyone <laughs> bring this up. They're like, this is a law we've never even heard about in 25 years. What made you think about this? And I was like, well, I just got a regular attorney, just a general, not even firearms guy to figure it out for us. Um, the process is very painful. Most dealers, when they read it to mail a suppressor, it's not worth it. You know, it's just too sure. much. But we've been doing it for, gosh, 12, 13 years, this over-the-counter, non-over-the-counter process where we mail them and just nail it out of the park. People love that convenience of it. It just shows up at your front door. And that was a big insight I learned at the shows. And then just being in the industry longer, you find that um, it has to be in the same state you're in to sell to you, like a handgun. They've got to be licensed in the state you're in. And, you know, when I first started, I went to a show in Aberdeen, South Dakota, and about half the people at the Aberdeen show were from North Dakota. So I'm like, man, I'm missing all this opportunity. Like everyone that comes up wants to buy a suppressor because there's no one in North Dakota they could buy them from except further west. So I finally ran to a guy and I was like, what do you do for a living? Because he wanted to buy a suppressor. He said, I want I said, I own an auto body shop. I was like, how about I put a license there in your auto body shop? You manage it for me and I'll pay you in silencers. He's like, let's do it. And then that was like location number two. Um, and then I just went into all the locations across the country so we could sell direct. But what's interesting is a lot of people will say, I, I have a dealer near me, but it's across the state line, so they can't sell to me. Mm. Or I have a dealer that's like four hours away and I can't buy one. So we do a big hunting show up there in Alaska and those guys love it because we can mail it to them no matter where they live. Some of them are like, I'd have to catch a plane to find a dealer, just no one around me. So they love that convenience. Of course, it was a huge hit during the pandemic, sort of a touchless process. Right. I mean, who would have thought you'd have a touchless process to buy a firearm, but um, it works. It's amazing to me. I mean, every every key to sales is detonating impediments. And yeah. Lord knows the <laughs> ATF put a hell of a lot of impediments between you and sales. Totally. And you've detonated all of these things. Yeah. It's incredible. So essentially, anybody can buy any suppressor, almost any suppressor from you. Yes, you have absolutely. the banish line, yes. which is your line. Yes. So the, the key is... If you want to buy a suppressor, there's just really calls. one place yeah, absolutely. that, that just makes calls. it easy for you. Yeah. And uh, and you guys have taken care of all that, which is which is pretty incredible. Yeah, no, and that's a good point on the Banish. I mean, that obviously, um, our goal is to like try to make it super simple to buy. And when I first started, it was a three month transfer from the manufacturer to the wholesaler, and then three months from the wholesaler to the dealer. So six months before I could get product. So when I went directly to a manufacturer and said, hey, I want to order 500 a month, 1,000 a month, 5,000 a month, whatever the number is, then I know sequentially which serial numbers are coming in, I can manage my inventory, and it makes it easier. So someone calls and says, hey, we want this, we say, we can get it, and we probably have some of them on shelf, but if it's something really unique, we're gonna to have to order it through a wholesaler and get it that way, whereas ours, we typically keep 90 days on the shelf at all the times. Yeah, 
Yeah, well, and the quality of that, that titanium, oh. it's incredibly lightweight. It's the totally. size of a bratwurst bun totally. at best. Yes. And uh, it's pretty incredible. Oh, so, yeah, it's super yeah. quiet, which the hunters love. And I always it's say that target shooters and tactical guys, they're not going to complain when it's too quiet. Right, yeah, no such thing as too quiet. Yeah. Well, congratulations on all your success. I am a huge fan, having just used it now in the field. And truly, I can't imagine going a field without one of these things. And, oh, and totally. the fact that you've simplified the process that much, God bless you. Yeah, really fantastic. No, it's fun. I mean, it, was, it wasn't really from a financial drive. It was just, maybe I'm a people pleaser. I could just tell that every step people, you could just, you could just tell it's an obstacle and it's like, it's whack-a-mole. Like, how do we get rid of all these different, you know, obstacles? I mean, and, and most people I know that are, our customers are not pro ATF, but I will, hats off to ATF for working with me. I mean, they could have said no sure. at every stop, but I mean, they sat down at the table with me and said, let's have an adult conversation. Yep. This was the statutes for the Gun Control Act were written in 68. How can we work together to create something that's digital that meets what our requirements and make sure that we can regulate you and do everything we did before. And if it benefits your customers as a side benefit, we're okay with that, but it's gotta be 100% for us first. And just having that adult conversation, it's worked, gosh, for 10 or 12 years. I have those kind of adult conversations where it's push and pull. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I get it. They have a monopoly. They get to write the rules and interpret them. But I do find working with them and trying to understand what they want and understanding their mindset, it, it just, it creates a different atmosphere. 100%. Well, Brandon Maddox, founder, president, Silencer Central, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. This has been Sporting Classics TV Podcast. Follow Sporting Classics with Chris Dorsey on Instagram and Facebook at Sporting Classics TV.